Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. How you doing this week, buddy? Oh, doing well as always. Nice, nice. Glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, things here been good too. Not too too much going on. Unfortunately, we did miss doing our episode last weekend. Uh, we had some stuff going on, but good news is that it gives us more Panthers games to talk about, uh, which is always a lot of fun. Uh, our last episode, they were just about to play the Columbus Blue Jackets. We were looking at that next stretch of games. Thought there was a good opportunity for the Panthers to go out and grab some points, especially off a team like Columbus. We were thinking Bob's got to start that one. He's got to get his mojo back. Uh, Clum- or Columbus, not a great team, so perfect you know, in his former team. So a good opportunity for him to get out, get a good quality start in, um, you know, and maybe build some confidence in uh you know for the rest of the season and he went out and allowed five goals on 23 shots for a 783 save percentage and it's like that's not what you go out and aim to do so that wasn't ideal no it, it was not an ideal performance from bob he did though um then play on the november 29th uh against calgary which he followed up that 783 with a 739, um, which is worse. I I have, because we talk a lot about goaltending on this podcast because it has been um, a tough, a tough talking point for the Panthers this year. Uh, Bob had a decent season last year. Spencer Knight had an up and down season, but young goalie, uh, Right now, as it stands, though, Sergei Bobrovsky, in his last five starts, he has one save percentage above 900 and only two save percentages above uh, 800, which is just, it's not good enough. It really isn't. And, like, it's the contract. It's the contract again. But it's getting to the point where it's like it's he's not only underplaying the contract, he's also just not being an NHL goalie. Yeah, like I, I pulled up some uh, some advanced numbers Ooh, for our fans. Okay. So, uh, uh, so we're going to look at goal save above expected, courtesy of Money Puck. Uh, in comparing the two goalies, so we have Spencer Knight, who for goalies who have played a minimum of 10 NHL games, he currently sits... Oh my God, the, the page is frozen. He sits 14th in the league. He has saved 4.4 goals above expected, which I think is excellent numbers. You'll get some of the goalies, you know, in the same kind of area as him, Darcy Kemper, UC Soros, uh, 
Cam Talbot, Igor Shishjurkin. Like he's in that range of goalies. Um, I would slightly better than average is is where he kind of finds himself. And then you look at Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, what do you think his goal save above expected is right now? Oh yeah, in twelve games. Let me get slower. Negative eight point six, which is thirty fifth out of thirty ninth in the league. Um, one of the goalies who's been worse than him this year is Cal Peterson, who was recently waived. Um, which is not a great sign. And then it's Capo Kakinen, who I maintain is just a terrible goalie. Jack Campbell, who seemingly has no confidence at all in Edmonton. Nope. And Thatcher Demko, who plays behind that Vancouver Canucks team that doesn't know what they're doing. It's not great. It's not great. Not great company to keep for Sergey Bobrovsky. Like we, based on salaries, based on what they've done in their careers, going into the season, I think we kind of expected some sort of split between the two goalies, right? Kind of a 1A, 1B situation. Mm-hmm. Are we at the point now where you have to look at, like, Spencer Knight is your starter, and Sergei Bobrovsky is realistically a below-average backup goalie in this league. I kind of have a dilemma when it comes to this. Because Florida's first-round pick this year, I know you I know, does we, not we belong know. does not belong to the Panthers, but is top ten protected. So part of me says, yeah, start Spencer Knight and actually try and win games to make the playoffs. And the other part of me is like, well, you kind of built in this this um how would you call it? Like a save your ass type of clause or Yeah, it's a little insurance. Yeah, you like, Yeah, you, you built in some solid insurance into that first round pick. The other part of me is like would it be the worst thing if we could manage to get a top 10 pick in this year's draft? The problem is there is no guarantee because it is a lottery. Yeah. And for that reason, I think you, you, you have, and, and, and I, I don't, I don't want to make this sound like I, I believe we should tank. That's not what I'm saying, but the, given the position they're in, um, at the end of the day, I think Paul Maurice and Bill Zito have a due diligence uh, to make to they, they, they have to field the best team they can that will win as many games as possible. So I do think like you have an obligation to play to play Spencer Knight above Sergey Bobrovsky given Bobrovsky's numbers. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's not working out so far. No. Like, you still have Mark Stahl. You still have Eric Stahl. You, you like, and you, you also do so much. Like, Anthony Duclair is probably going to be back here in a, a you know, a month or two, right? You're going to have and, to move some, some money has to come out for him to come into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Right. And so something's got to give somewhere. Um, like the worst thing for the Panthers is to finish like just outside of the playoffs and your pick ends up being like 12th. And then Montreal gets that pick. Yeah. You you want it to either be inside the top 10 and you have a top 10 pick or you want it to be 
late enough that you're in the playoffs and it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, I think, though, when you look at the two goalies and their performance, like it's not just that Sergei Borovsky has been horrendous. It's also that like Spencer Knight has been quite good lately. Like even he's won, uh, you know, he's got three, he got one against Seattle, one against Vancouver. He beat Boston. I think if you play Spencer Knight more, you're going to find yourself. I think, I think they play Spencer Knight 75% of the remaining schedule. You're a, you're a playoff team. Genuinely, the way he's played, he can win you that many games. Playing Bob, you're you're probably going to lose most of those games. Realistically, with the yep. way he's playing, <clears throat> so I would like to see you know more. I would like to see Spencer Knight have more of an opportunity. I think he deserves to be the undisputed starter right now, and I think for Sergey Bobrovsky, like, well, first of all, like looking ahead to next season, do you look at buying this guy out? Like obviously you you have to ha- you have to look at it just because of you know where you're at. Um, I I don't think they end up doing it, and part of it, and it's it's a big reason of it actually is you know we we've talked about it at length is the cap's just gonna go up. Like the the contracts hurt <clears throat> that much more because of the cap being flat. With it going up, I think it's going to give Bill Zito just a little more cushion. And yeah, it would be nice to get rid of, like, I'm I'm going to say $5 million. Because, um, like, that money's going to have to go out. Like, there's going to be money till... what. What did you say? Twenty twenty nine. Well, well, let me let me tell you what yeah. the buyout breakdown is, because I was really curious about it. Because initially in my head, I'm like, you can't you can't buy out ten million dollars. Like it's gonna kill you, right? But when you actually break it down, it's not as bad as you think. It ends up being, uh, the first year is six point six million, which is a lot, right? But then you factor in but spend- less than ten. It's less than ten, and when you factor in what Spencer Knight's gonna be making on his next deal, it's just above 10, which is what you were paying Sergei Bobrovsky. Now, you would have to bring in another backup goalie. Like, a, you know, you probably want someone with a bit of experience that can can run with the net. So maybe $2 million there. So you're going to be spending about the same on your goaltending next year as what you're spending this year. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, the year after that, it's 3.1. Then it is 2.6 the year after. And then it is 1.6 until 2029. Like it's it's not that bad. It's just such a long time. But in the if grand the caps go, things, if the cap's the, going up, and you assume the cap, it will, the cap has to go up. 1.6, and you have to factor in that a lot of the the guys on the Panthers that are earning a lot of money, they're locked in until. About then, like Aaron Ekblad's locked down, Alexander Barkov's locked down, Matthew Kachuk is locked down, right? Mm-hmm. So having your control, like having those guys, you know, under cost control going into those years, you're like, all right, we don't need to, you know, we're not going to like 9.5, whatever Matthew Kachuk's making. It's going to be a lot smaller in 2026 than it is right now as a right. percentage of the cap. 
And so you'd still have, I think, a lot of flexibility to add around your roster. Exactly. But it is, it, it is like, I think it's something you definitely have to like consider. And it, I think a lot of it depends on what happens over the course of the season. But if you're the Panthers and you're serious about winning starting next season, I don't think you can have Sergei Bobrovsky. And well, I think you can, but you just, you have to, like, he has to be the most expensive backup of all time. Yeah. He has to literally play. 20 games per season. <clears throat> yeah, but the thing is, like, he's not even giving you backup numbers right now. Right? Like, that's the tough part. Exactly. It's a problem. You need to kind of depend on your backup to a certain degree. Like, I think over the last 10 years in the NHL, it's changed where, like, backup goalies used to be, like, pretty bad to mm-hmm. the point where there's a lot of guys who are very good backup goalies in this league who when they're in net teams still expect to win games. And so like he's not even giving you that right now. It's a position. Like it's a, it's a job. Like it's he's just I I don't know what it is. It's if it, if it's a confidence thing, if it's a mental thing, if it's just like if he has decreased in his actual physical abilities, um I don't know what it is, but he's just not there. Right, it, it yeah, something's really off with him, and I like you can hope like, he comes the, out of it. This is the only, um, this is the only goalie in the league right now, the only active goalie to have won two Vezina trophies. Yeah, and he's like, not that old, and no. it's not it's it's really not normal that he is performing at the level that he's performing. Yeah, like I get like he's, you know, he's 34, but 34 is not that old for a goalie. Like it's old. Exactly. But like there are guys in the league that are his age or older, like Marc-Andre Fleury, that can still deliver you decent results. Big time. And that's just not what he's doing right now. And I think it really, like they can't win with him in that. No. Right? Like they couldn't beat Columbus because he couldn't stop anything. You've got you've got to assume that it's having a negative effect on the players, like that. That, and and I know this from like, and you probably do as well from just playing hockey. And you know when you don't have your number one goalie in net, when you have a bad goalie or when you have a backup or whatever, you just mentally as a player, it's a different preparation. It's different. It's you you go in with the like the idea in the back of your mind of like fuck like he's gonna let in a bad one tonight and we're gonna have to like cover his ass like like yeah i look back there i'm like oh we're fucked tonight exactly exactly so that can't be good on the players and and realistically like i i still still kind of hesitate around what what paul maurice is up to well Um, okay that's the next thing i want to talk about is paul maurice yeah because realistically, like the Panthers won their last two games, right? And they won them pretty convincingly, five one, five one over Seattle and Vancouver, right? And now, correct see, me if I'm is, is Barkov is Barkov still out? Um so Barkov was or did at, he, I, I can't remember exactly his timeline. Yeah, he's been in and out. They were also missing Lundell yesterday. 
um, which is also like pretty significant uh, absent. But yeah, Barkov out, Wendell out, right? And Seattle's been a pretty good team this year. Um, and so you're able to get good results there. Heponiami's been in, scored the meant the game winner yesterday. Mm-hmm. But like prior to those two games, like if those two games hadn't happened when they happened, right? We're coming on this episode and there's a lot more negative. Like we're already like relatively negative. But yeah, I think the tone of this episode would have been a lot more negative just based on what we'd seen. Like the loss to Columbus getting blown out by Calgary. You give up your lead against uh, the Blues. Um, you 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 get the you get the point out of Edmonton, which realistically I don't think they deserved. But it's a lot more negative without those last two wins that kind of balance it out a little bit and uh, make the Cats look a little bit better over the you know the last stretch of games. But I do think it's fair at this point in the season to have some like genuine criticisms of of Paul Maurice and what he's done. It's just some of the lineup decisions. You're just it's it's a little peculiar, right? And I get it's like you know you are limited to what you know you have uh, with you, but like playing some guys as much as they play, um, it just shouldn't happen. Now I will say this: that the numbers against Seattle are, um, especially on the D side, are skewed. Um, just because of Gudis going out, um, so that hurts. But like, you never ever want to see Mark Stahl playing twenty two minutes. No, like Mark Stahl and Eric Stahl, realistic, they play way more than they should. Like, and and I can like as I said last night, you're missing Barkov and Lundell, who are probably centers number one and two in your organization. Um, so you're, you're kind of stuck with guys playing up, up, um, it's, it's just, it's a tough, tough look. And, you know, I'm just, I'm really excited for this season to be over for some of these guys to just get the heck out. Yeah. Like I, like I, I never want to see Mark or Stahl in, in a Panthers uniform ever. It's just, it's, it's really tough to watch night in and night out. Yeah, and as much as I've liked him, uh, Hornquist just is not that guy anymore. No, he's another guy where I think he shouldn't be here next season. He's brought he's been a great player for this team. And he's- remember, like we we had to Hornquist was a means to an end, and the the end was getting rid of uh Mike Matheson's contract, um. So, like, and, and uh, we did like his production in previous years, like just having that presence on the power play and that kind of stuff. And he had a really good first season. Um, but this is probably the end of him. Yeah. If not in the NHL, like, he'll probably play. How old is he? He's 35. So, and he's at 900, and he's just above 900 games. So, my guess is he tries to go for a thousand, but I really, really hope it's not in a Panther uniform. Yeah, you also remember Patrick Hornquist, by the way, was a Mr. Irrelevant pick. Yes, last ever pick in the draft. So that's kind of fun uh, for him to be able to play that many games. Like a lot of credit to him. And I do like Patrick Hornquist, but with yeah, what, I, but, but, but it's but the, it's, it's like Bobrovsky, it's the contract. And I want to see him. <clears throat> I want to see him get to a thousand because, he, you know, he's a good player. He's been in the league for so long. He, 
he was so easy. Like, he has his kind of own, like, playing style. It's really good, but I just don't want it to be in a Panther uniform at this point in his, in his career and yeah. in, in, in the Panthers organization. Yeah. And, and so, it, but like, with coming back to like Paul Maurice, it's like, it's tough because he's playing a lot of these guys probably more than they should. But at the same time, like, these are the guys he has at his disposal. Yep. Right. And, and that's why, that's why it's hard for me <clears throat> to be judgmental of what Paul Maurice has been doing because it's like, what else do you want him to do? Like, it's not like he can call up Heponiemi to play instead of and healthy scratch Eric Stahl every night. Like that's just not that's not a realistic. Eric Stahl's on a one way deal. Um, like it's just not possible. You can't do that. So he's just kind of he's got his hands tied. But then you go out and you go out with that lineup and manage to crush the five one. Yeah. I'm like, well, what is happening, you know? Yeah, I think the the big thing, like the the deployment of guys, like what I want it to be done a little differently, of course, right? But that that's what it is. To me, it's they've also shown that they can't hold on to leads lately. They've blown a couple leads late in games to Edmonton and to, to St. Louis. To me, a lot of that is is mental. And so that is something that like would be of concern to me is that like, and I get also it is part of the lineup too. It's like this lineup's not built to like protect a lead. No. Right. But at the same time, if you're a coach, like you, you can't be blowing leads like that. It's just, it's not a way to get it done in this league. And I think a lot of that's just mental. And I think that's something that he needs to do maybe a better job of, but I'm not, like, I don't think, like, there are some people who, like, every time the Panthers lose, you know, you see Fire fire Maurice, right, on, on Twitter. I'm not, like, at that stage yet, but, like, it, I could see it getting there. I, it's hard for me, especially a guy like Paul Maurice, to say, to to even consider firing him in the first season. I probably won't even get there. Is the, the team could finish dead last, and I probably would still say, well, like, you still owe him, like, another half season. Like, yeah. you still need to try him out for another half season. Um, That being said, like, y- you would like to see more from him. Yeah, I, I do have a, another question for you, though. So, before Paul Maurice, Andrew Burnett was behind the bench. He leaves. He goes to New Jersey under Lindy Ruff, and New Jersey's been one of the best teams in the league. Does that make it look even like worse for Paul Maurice? I don't think so. Because you look at that, um, you look at that New Jersey roster. It's not that much different from what they had last year. There's like two or three different players. Jack Hughes was hurt last year. Yeah, Jack Hughes was hurt. Uh, who? Yeah, who? Um, I so I think there's a couple factors that go into that. First of all, he's still assistant coach, um, so I don't think you can you can associate as much of New Jersey's good performance with 
with Andrew Brunette. Um, and and second of all, I do think like just look at look at their defensive core. Look at their like I just think New Jersey right now is a better constructed team than the Panthers are, and I think the only place that you could argue that the Panthers might be a little better in, and it's I I know we talked about it earlier is the complete opposite of what I'm about to say, but like goaltending, but like, Vitek Vanacek's been good on paper. The Panthers' goaltending should be better than the Devils, but it, it, it and yeah, Vitek Vanacek's been good, and like they've just been getting like they have a solid blue line, and like it's just they're playing some really good hockey, and they're hot, and I I think an, a big part of New Jersey is like mentally they're extremely strong right now. Yeah, I think so. like I I think. I think Andrew Burnett has definitely helped the New Jersey Devils, right? Right. But I also think Andrew Burnett is most effective as an assistant coach. Like, I would have loved if he'd been able to stay in Florida as the assistant coach. Yeah. So so I think, like, kind of just to, to come back to your question and to answer it, it's like, no, Andrew Burnett does not, does not make it look bad on Paul Maurice. I don't think so. But does it make it look like the Panthers made a mistake and should have kept Andrew Burnett? I, I so I don't think so because he's not a full like he's not a head coach like you can't you can't just assume that if he were the head coach of the New Jersey Devils that they'd be doing as well as they are right now their head coach is Lindy Ruff and that's what's don't get me wrong Seattle and New Jersey we've been saying it they why Lindy Ruff and why Dave Haxtell and for some reason both are like it's working this year it does not make any sense to me uh whatsoever but now my answer might change depending on whether like how far New Jersey gets in the playoffs. I was going to say, because to me, that was the big question on the Panthers. Like we saw what they did in the regular season. Right. And if you took that regular season, there's no way you let Andrew Burnett go. But the way it went in the playoffs is the reason Paul Maurice is behind the bench and not Andrew Burnett right now. And that'll be the test for the New Jersey Devils uh, come playoff time is what are they able to do? So we kind of just have to wait and see. But I'm willing to like I'm willing to still give Paul Maurice like a bit of time to see what he does. But I know a lot of fans out there are not not loving what they're seeing. But these last yeah. two these last two wins are encouraging. And especially yesterday, the power play. Three for four. Big. Huge. Where has that been all year? What like what is this? It's it's it, and and that's like there's so many factors, right? Paul Maurice coming into a new team, it's gonna take some time. It's not gonna happen overnight. No, and I I know it has for some other coaches in the league, but those coaches didn't have as much roster tone turnover as the Panthers did. Like there's just that's, so that's many. A, that's a very fair point. There's so many variables that, like, you think about that you just, you can't, it doesn't, right? Like, so that that's why I think it's still very, very early to judge Paul Maurice. Like, there's so many variables. The roster disposition, like, just everything that has to do with roster in terms of turnover from last year, what's available this year, that's a big factor. Then there's the fact that he's a new coach and a new team. He hasn't coached in a while. That's going to take some getting used to. There's, you know, like there's just so many things that contribute to the success or the failure 
of like just the whole winning or losing um, that it, I just think it's very early to judge that strongly. Yeah, I, 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 I'm willing to give it like a bit of time, but there are some times where I'm watching the Panthers and the way they play or blowing the weeds where it's just like, for as, as a fan, it's like really frustrating, right? Because like sports is such like an emotional thing. So in the moment, like I'm furious, right? But then when mm-hmm. you take a step back and you like try to critically think about it, it's like, you know, it's not all on one person or one thing. Like there's a lot of different factors going into why they're not getting these results, right? I think... Like, I don't like Sergey Bobrovsky's not helping. Like, there's a lot of different things that just factor into the kind of mediocre record we're seeing right now. That being said, they currently are in a playoff spot. And if they can continue to build on these two sizable wins, right? And then the Jets, you know, we'll get, I'll get into the you know upcoming games later, but like, they're not like, though, the, if you listen to the way people talk about this team on Twitter, you would think they were like bottom five in the league. They're not. And if the power play can get going also, I think that's like a huge, huge factor in uh, this team being able to pick up some wins. Cause that's been a real weakness for them. If you can turn that into the strength, I think that makes a massive difference for what this team's capable of achieving this year. Yeah. Right. And so we'll just have to wait and see on that. Um, I'm going to get into a quick ad read here, and then we got some more Panther stuff to talk about. And I do have a bit of a trivia question for you at the end of the episode, which I alluded to. Uh, I'm interested to see how you do there. Um, but yeah, a quick word from our good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do, only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Noah. <clears throat> Back into it here. Um, first of all, I did have one just random question for you, though. Out of nowhere. But uh, other than Matthew Kachuk, who's been your MVP for the Panthers this season? So far, we're about the quarter of the way mark of the year. Uh like last year, it was I think a lot more clear cut with either Barkov or Huberto. This year, Barkov's been hurt. Huberto's not here. I've eliminated Matthew Kachuk from the, the question because that would have been too easy. Yeah. Um. There are some candidates. Yeah, and Matthew Kachuk's really just been having a sensational season so far. Like. And without and it. and Huberto and Weeg are struggling a bit, you know. The points aren't looking like they're there. Yeah, yeah, especially Huberto. There's a lot. Is I just I don't think like I think I I I don't know if Bill Zito knew this when when he traded him was that traded trading Huberto to Calgary with Daryl Sutter. I I could have guessed. You could have guessed that. 
it might not work out as well as yeah. Calgary hoped it would. Well, it's weird. I, like, I'm from Calgary, right? I have a lot of like friends who you know grew up Flames fans, and they were all like very excited about John and yeah. they thought he was going to outperform Kachuk this year. They thought that was an easy bet. And I was like, like Jonathan Huberto, we love him in South Florida. He's an incredible offensive talent, unbelievable creativity, but he's not great defensively. He's not overly physical. And you look at Daryl Sutter's system and you think that's just not a fit. And he doesn't have Barkov anymore. Like, they, well, he didn't play with Barkov that much, right? No, but uh, like, on the power play, like you, you look at it and it's like, he's just not playing. Like it feels like he's expected to be the number one guy. And he never was the number one guy in Florida. I always think it was Barkov. I, I, I hundred percent agree with you. I think the, you know, you, when you look at points, right. And like, I think sometimes people in their head, they make it seem to be like, these two are like two superstars equal on level that have, you know, are what drive the Florida Panthers when I don't think that ever really was the case. I think Alexander Barkov has always been a tier above Jonathan Huberto, regardless of points. Yeah. In terms of, you know, a, he's a center. He wins faceoffs. He puts up a ton of points. He's excellent defensively. And I think he is the guy that sets the tone for that team as a leader. Exactly. And I don't, so, I don't think it was ever close. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. I, <clears throat> we got sidetracked. That, the, I started talking about Matthew Kachuk. Um, what a player, Matthew Kachuk. I, I think I'm gonna. I think I've, I've figured out who I'm. Who my answer is, um, and I don't know if it's who you were looking for, but it's definitely somebody that surprised me. All right, I got uh, three names, by the way. Three guys. Okay. Well, I have one main guy. Brandon Montour. He was one of the guys. Unbelievable. Quietly, like, almost a point per game defenseman. How crazy is that? And like. Like, does it surprise me? No, because I drafted him in fantasy hockey for my team. Like, I remember Brain Montour, Brand Montour, sorry, when he was playing in, like, I still remember when he got traded from Anaheim to Buffalo. Buffalo. And he was literally, like, I, I can't remember what the trade was, but it was like, they weren't expecting much. Like, I think it's just, it's, he, he's truly like, this is just, he's, I don't want to jinx it, right? But this is this is on on track to be beyond a career year for him. Oh yeah, he, he's like a lot was made about, you know, the Florida Panthers defense coming into this season, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, they have their issues defensively and and Brandon Montour is never going to be a shutdown defenseman. But you look at the production offensively you're getting from him and from Gustav Forsling. Like you got to be absolutely thrilled with what those guys are doing. Yes, and I, I it's they, they're stepping up. That's what they're doing. Yeah, like when Aaron Eckblad was out, those guys stepped up. Exactly. Right? And you know they're playing. You know they're playing a lot higher up the lineup than they're used to in their careers. Um, and I think when you look at the decor and you look at you know those two guys, and then you look at Aaron Eckblad, right? If you can find a way in the next, you know, not this year, obviously, but like, the, I think that's a really strong start to a blue line. And then you can fit in some other kind of complimentary type defensemen there. Some good skating kind of more defensively minded players. I think this has like the foundation to be a really good decor surrounded by those three players. It does. It really does. 
Um, so he like I I I would have Forsling and Montour absolutely uh in my Panthers MVP conversation. I think as of late, I think Spencer Knight could work his way into that conversation if he continues doing what he's doing, especially as it contrasts with what Sergey Bobrovsky does when he's in the net. Um, exactly. Like I, uh, with the 923 and it, like a 923 save percentage, it's phenomenal, first of all. Like top 10 in the league. Um, now, you probably want the goals against average to come down a little, but you look at who's playing in front of him and it's like, Pretty good considering. You watch him play, and it's like it, it, it's tough because Spencer Knight. Like, there's some goals he allows where I'm like, mm, you probably want your goalie to save that, but mm-hmm. then he makes some unbelievable saves, and I'm like, well, like, guess it, you know, give and take. Yeah. Um, the other guy for me though, I think has to be in the MVP conversation, Carter Verhage. Yeah, that that was my other guy. I kind of. I don't know if this is a bad thing to say, but this is the production that I've just started expecting from him. Like, I just think of him as almost a point-per-game play, point player. I just think of him as being that good. Yeah, the thing for me is, like, he's got 14, 14 goals, 22 points, 25 games, right? The production is unbelievable, right? And I agree. Like, I kind of expect this from Carter Rehage. Like, I, I think he's a terrific hockey player, and it's what you'd expect from him. To me, it's why I have him in the conversation, it's the timeliness of that offense, right? He's scoring goals. When they need a goal, he gets them a goal, you know? Mm-hmm. Right? He's come through, like, when they need something, he's able to provide it. Yep. It's not like he's scoring, you know, point per game, but it's, you know, the second insurance goal in, you know, a big win. It's no, he's scoring the goal to tie a game, to to put the team ahead in the third period. That's what he's doing right now. So to me, the timeliness of his offense and his production is why I think he's been arguably their MVP so far this year. Aside from Matthew Kachuk, who is head over heels, not even close. Yeah, like like Matthew Kachuk is just—it's insane. It's honestly insane. He's unbelievable. Like it's everything. Like the offense is one thing, but like the you know the grittiness to his game, the way he can get under other teams' skins. I mean. I had high expectations for Matthew Kachuk coming into Florida. He has surpassed them like easily so far this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just unbelievable uh, stuff from him. Um, looking ahead now to the next kind of stretch of games, we don't know. I don't think we're going to be able to record an episode next week. They got – let's look at the next five games. They got Jets, Red Wings, Lightning, Kraken, Blue Jackets. Five games. How many points do you think the Panthers need to come away with from these five games? What are you looking to see? Seven. Seven points in five games. Yeah, does that seem fair? Yeah. So Seven. three wins and an OT loss. Yeah, I'd be happy with that. All right. So you're thinking, are you thinking win versus the Jets? Uh See, the Jets are a tricky one. Um, I think the Jets might be the OT loss. Okay, so you think it's okay. So you think an OT loss to the Jets? I'm guessing a win versus the Red Wings. Yep. I'm guessing a loss to the Lightning. Or I might go. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. Let me just let me just pull keeping in mind one of these games is Columbus, which last time we said that's got to be a win, and then Sergey Bobrovsky went out there. And okay, I'm thinking. Let's see. Okay, I'm thinking. Okay, win against the Jets, win against Detroit, lose against Tampa, overtime loss against Seattle, win against Columbus. Okay, I'm going to go win against Winnipeg. I'm going to go OT win versus Detroit. Uh, I'll go... I'm going to say, okay, wait, so let's see. I think they'll beat the Jets, the Red Wings. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, you know what? Tampa Bay Lightning, divisional game, huge points, right? Can be a big swing. I'm going to say beat the Lightning because I think Barkov. That's, that's just, that's a really, really tough weekend. It is. You play Tampa on the road. And I don't know what Seattle's schedule is like. You play Tampa on the road, and then you got to play Tampa, or you got to go back home and play Seattle the next day. I'm willing to bet that Seattle's going to be rested. Yeah, I think I think it will be. A, 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 those, those two are tough games. I think looking at the slate of games, like I think you'd hope for at least six points, at least three wins out of five. But I think what's more important above that is if you can get the wins versus Detroit and Tampa to keep the points out of the division. Yeah. Right. Those are the big ones. Right. If if you only won two games on the in the next five games, it has it should be those two. It should. Right. That's what I I would hope to see from this team. But yeah. we will see. Um but all right, last thing for this uh episode of the podcast. I have a bit of trivia for you. Okay. So we've been doing this podcast for a long, long time now, right? Yeah. We started, uh, well, we had our old podcast that we did two episodes of, and then some people liked it for some reason, and we're like, hey, you want to do this? And we're like, yeah, we're obviously game, right? <laughs> Unbelievable, right? Because it, it was not good. A really bad podcast. Yep. We did our first episode of this podcast for the 2019-2020 season. Can you name, how many players can you name on that opening night roster from when we did our first episode? I could try. All right. Who you got? I will be impressed if you can do better than 10. Okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, like, I'm picturing us doing the podcast in your, at your, at your house, in your, in your room. I'm just trying to think who we were talking about the most. Right. And I think, cause I, I looked this up just cause I was, I thought it would be a fun thing to do. It is one thing I like about it is that this is only like what three years ago. There has been so much turnover with this roster in that three years. Yeah, like an unbelievable amount. Okay, okay, I'll give it a try. All right, who who you rolling with? Okay, obviously I'll start Barkov, Huberto, correct too. Ekblad. Yep. Bobrovsky. Yeah. Those I think are the most obvious guys. Yeah. Then you go Uyghur. Yep. 
Strawman. Yep. How, how could I forget Anton Strawman? Legend. Um like like do we even have any other forwards other than Barkov and Uyghur? Like, is that even Uyghur wasn't a forward. Or or Barkov and Huberto? Oh, there are some guys here. No, I'm sure there are some guys. Uh Mike Matheson. Correct. Are right, you seven? Oh boy. Why I'm just completely blanking on the thing forwards. Is, the thing is, I'm gonna read you the roster after, and I think I'm gonna hate it. I'm gonna hate it. You're gonna be kicking yourself, and I'm bet you there's a bunch of people listening to this right now who are like, yo, this guy's an idiot. How could you forget this Panthers legend? Or this no, Panthers I... legend. And I know I'm just not. Oh, why? Well, I, I just I can't think of any forwards right now for some reason. You're also missing three defensemen and a goalie in addition to the forwards. I want to say Chris Drieger is the other goalie, but I don't think he was on opening night roster. You are you are correct. He was not on the opening night roster. Yeah. The year of Drieger was like the year after. Yeah, and he came up like mid mid season. Um If you want a hint on the goalie, I can tell you the other goalie is in the NHL right now. What's that? The other goalie is still in the NHL. The goalie is in the NHL? Yeah. It's not like a random like Finnish guy or something that's went back home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the defensemen you're, you're forgetting is like re- really poor from you. It's a Panthers legend. They played many seasons for the Florida Panthers. I just I'm 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 blanking for some reason. They recently stopped playing. They wore an A. Oh, I I I'm sure they wore an A. Recently just stopped playing. Oh no. You know, oh, I know exactly who this is. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. This is a really bad one. Keith Yandel. It is Keith Yandel. Give me some forward hints. I can't believe I'm not getting any forwards. Okay. Um. One of these play. I can tell you. Okay. Um. Maybe if I get one forward, it's gonna open up like a floodgate. Okay, I got one. Uh, this player. Plays in Anaheim right now. This forward. Wait, do you want me to tell you who the defenseman you're missing is? Yeah, because I'm not. Uh, it's Josh Brown. Yeah, I wasn't gonna get that. Yeah, you weren't gonna get it. I didn't think so. All right, this play. This forward plays in Anaheim. Anaheim forward. He was with the Panthers until uh, about halfway through the season last year. Hey, 
Anaheim's such a random team. He signed there this season. He was traded somewhere else last year, and then he signed there. Prior to playing for the Florida Panthers, he played for the Boston Bruins. Noel Achari. So that wasn't who I was describing. <laughs> Noel Achari is correct. He is a player. He plays for the St. Louis Blues. He wears number 52. You said Boston, and I was like, oh, Noel Achari. Yeah, no, so Noel Achari is, is correct. He's on the list, but that wasn't at all who I was describing. Yeah, no, I know. I... <clears throat> They're a winger. I can't even think of a single like. Okay, I'll just give you another hint. They were yeah. traded to the Rangers. Frankie V. Yes, Frank the Tank Vitrano. I've not heard about him this year. Uh, I watched him play the other day. He drew a, I think he drew a misconduct penalty. Um, <laughs> another player. Let's see, we got uh there's two players here who currently play for the Montreal Canadiens, your hometown team. Um so I'm expect I, I thought you would get me Dadnov. Correct. Just give me one second. Golden Knights legend of Yenny Dadnov. Oh boy. He's becoming a Montreal legend and Montreal legend in the making. Um, one second. I'm just kind of going through the lines here. They're not like a regular, I don't think. Hmm. I feel like I'm at nine now or uh, did I somehow get to ten? You're at nine, ten if you count Frank Petrano and all the hints. Yeah. That somehow gave you Nolachari. Which I get, like they both played for Boston, but. Yeah. I, I feel like this is dragging on. I just, just tell me. Okay. I'm not going to go tell through you. them. Go through them. All right. Well, first of all, I'm going to give you one more hint for the Montreal one. This player with the Panthers were the same number. As that Yaramir Yager war. Mike Hoffman. It's Mike Hoffman. Wow. All right. Other players you were missing. Colton Sevier. Wasn't going to get that. Jace Howerluck. Not going to get that. Brett the Threat Connolly. Should have gotten that. Because he had like, yeah, that first season in, uh, that first season we did the pod, he was, he was on fire. Yeah, he was. Uh, Mark Pissick. Should have gotten that elite two-position player. Exactly. Leafs legend, Dennis Mulgan. Dennis Mulgan, yeah. Rangers legend, Dryden Hunt. Oh, boy. Um, the uh, Denver pioneer man himself, Henrik Borgstrom. Oh, that's fair. I already said Dennis Mulgan, right? Yeah. Um, then you were missing backup goaltender Sam Montembeau. 
Ah, uh, yes. And are you ready for the big one you've missed? No. Assistant captain. Vincent Trocheck. Oh, Vinny. Oh, man. That's poor. Very poor. But I think, like, that's a lot. Like, it, the three years, that's a lot of change for this roster. Yeah. I looked up, uh, I completely forgot about Henrik Borgstrom in that trade. How's he doing? Not good. Where is he? Like, he's in the A. With who? Hershey. Boston? See, I don't know. Yeah, Hershey Bears Boston. Washington. Right? Washington. 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 Oh my god, that's bad. How did he get to Washington? He must have signed in Washington. Yeah, because he was traded to Chicago, right? Yeah. I was is it because it would have made sense if he had ended in like Providence, right? And then work his way up from Providence to the Bruins under his former head coach, Jim Montgomery. That's the spot. But yeah, what a legend. What a Panthers legend, Henry Corkstrom. Never really panned out. Definitely did not pan out. Because I remember when they picked him, and everyone was like, ooh, that's a surprise. Like, that's a reach. And then he absolutely balled out at the University of Denver. And I was, everyone was like, oh, my goodness, maybe not. And then it was like, oh, never mind. Yes. You know his dad is, or at least was, the chairman of Yelkerit U18? Yes. Yes, I did. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, nifty, nifty good player. Yeah. Well, that was just a, a fun little look back yeah, there. Yeah, that on, was uh, fun. You know, it's a little blast from the past, some names. Um, I think, you know, the Panthers have improved quite a lot since then. Added some some really good pieces. Um, and obviously, you know, is there, there's only three three guys left on that roster still in the Panthers. Yep, 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 yep. yep. So uh, that's all. But yeah, I think that does it uh, for this episode. Thank you so much to everyone tuning and listening. We appreciate it as always. And we'll be back maybe next Sunday, maybe next Monday or maybe the Monday after uh, with a brand new episode talking more Panthers hockey. Uh, So we're looking forward to it. And yeah, we'll see you all then. Barkov looking to get a step on Mete. Barkov to the net. Barkov between the legs.